Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. Well, today we're beginning a a new series um, called Family Feels. And the whole idea and the concept behind this this series is to look at our family. But it's not in the sense that we're going to be talking necessarily about husbands and wives or, or kids or parenting, things like that. But we're looking at the, the idea of the family. And, but even beyond our biological or our blood family, uh, we're talking about the body of Christ and how we are a family. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be discussing various topics in regards to our family and what it means to be a part of a family, how we interact with one another, how we, uh, how we grow as a family. And so the series, again, is for everyone. It's not, again, if you're like, well, I, I, you know, I don't have a husband, and so it's just going to be on marriage or whatever. That's not the case. Or my kids are already grown. That's Again, that's not the case. We're going to touch on a wide uh, range of things, but it all will have to do with the family, whether it's our, our biological family or our spiritual family. Somebody once said this about family. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring family, close-knit family, in a far, far away city. Sometimes it may feel that way, Right? You're, you're, you, you love having a, a big family, a close-knit family, as long as they're 100 miles away from you. That's great. We can call on the phone. We can talk to each other. But as long as we're not living next door, everything is good. The reality is that family it can be challenging. Family can be one of the biggest pain points for people. Don't raise your hand. Don't say. <laughs> your family might be sitting next to you. But really, family can be one of our biggest pain points. Because it's people that we care about. It's people that we spend a lot of our time with. We love our family. And and there are many things that that are great about being part of a big family or even a small family. But it can ultimately cause us a lot of strain and, and pressure, even angerness, bitterness, and unforgiveness if we're not careful. That family can be great. And on the flip side of that coin, it can be a lot of challenging points in our lives as well. I'm sure that we could all share just a a number of stories that have happened in each and every one of our lives that that pertain to our family. You can probably share a lot of good stories, things that happened to you when you were growing up as a child and and think fondly back of your family and vacations and, and trips that you took. Or you could probably spend a whole lot of time talking about all the bad things that happened, remembering just some very difficult times in your family. Some of you might be going through difficult times right now in your family. And, and honestly, you could probably say the same thing of your church family, that you can think back and, and remember all the wonderful times you had in church and all the great things that happened, but you can also probably think back of some very difficult times, people that loved and cared about you, and, and you loved and cared about them, but it, it ended terribly because a variety of reasons. If you've committed your life to following Christ, the reality is that we are adopted into the family of God. That, that beyond our bloodlines, beyond our biological families, as a follower of Christ, we have been adopted into the family of God. Following Christ and making him the Lord of our lives means that God is our heavenly father. We have a spiritual family just as well as a biological family. Throughout scripture, we see example after example after example of this new relationship and this new family that we have been granted access to. 
It's, it's interesting to note that even Jesus uses the word daughter. And, and the woman that had the issue of blood, he, he doesn't just call her woman or lady. He calls her daughter, signifying the new relationship that he has and that she has with him, that she is in this new family. We have many things that we can look at and, and the, the idea that we have this new identity because of the gospel. That the gospel changes the, our identity from more of a me-focused identity to us. That it's not a center, uh, that we're not the center of the universe anymore. That it's about us, the, the corporate family, the body of Christ. Even in Revelation John 9, John, John describes an innumerable crowd of every tribe, every language praising God. You may come from a big family, but that's a big family. I remember when uh, Rebecca and I first started dating and, and the first family function I went to of hers. And uh, I, I, I just was shocked that there was that many people in one family. I'm like, this is, this is a small city. This is, this is your family? Like, everybody is your family that's here? Yeah, they're all family. One way or the other, we're all, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, my family growing up was like five of us. That was it. <laughs> Whenever we did things, and, you know, and maybe my grandmother and my grandfather, and then I go from, from that small context to a family of like 35. Needless to say, I stood in the corner the whole time and just took everything in and went, wow. All right, I don't know how, I, and I even still am like that. Like, I'm just going to sit back and you guys do what you do. But I'm thankful that they welcomed me into the family, that they welcomed me into to part of who they are, that I remember her grandfather, and, and, and he just kind of took me in, and, and we would sit and talk, and he would share uh, scriptures, and we would talk, and, and, and he just welcomed me in, didn't really know anything about me, but just welcomed me in. And that's what we have in the family of God, that God welcomes us into this big family. We see that, the, that in the New Testament, that the word brother or sibling is used over 342 times. That's significant because it means God is spending a lot of time telling us that family is important. That he is the head of this family. But the, that we are all Christ followers, brothers and sisters in Christ. But just because we're part of this family, that doesn't mean that there isn't pain. And there aren't times of difficulties. I know that that's in your biological family, in your blood family. That we could probably spend hours just talking about that. But a part of this family of God, yes, there are difficulties. There are trials. But the goal is to be able to overcome these things, to overcome pain, to overcome hurt, and to follow the example of Jesus in our lives as we strive to be like him. Because that's ultimately the goal, right? To strive and to be more like Christ. See, life is, is too easy, or life is, goes by way too fast for us to hold on to bitterness, to hold on to anger, to hold on to those things. Because when we hold on to that, we miss what God is trying to do as part of the larger body of Christ. If we're, we're so focused on how a brother or sister in Christ hurt us, or even a family member has hurt us, then we miss what God is trying to do. And we're missing the point of, of being who God has called us to, to follow Jesus' example in this world. It's not always easy, but it's something that we must strive to do. The only way that we really can do this is through the transformation power of the gospel. Timothy Keller wrote this. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Let me stop right there. Like, I know I'm sinful. I know I'm flawed. But at the, at the core, we are more sinful and more flawed than we even realize. He goes on to say, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and more accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. This is the only kind of relationship that will really transform us. 
What he's saying is that understanding the gospel, what it does to us, it transforms us, and understanding that we are more sinful than we even believe, that we are more sinful than we even care to to imagine, but at the same time, we are more loved than we can ever imagine, that there's a depth of God's love that we don't fully understand, and so we are transformed by that love and, and the knowledge of that, that we can transform and be the family of God that he's called us to be, to be like Jesus to the world. And to be Jesus, and to be like Jesus to our family. See, the goal is to love like Jesus, even when we've been hurt. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Ephesians chapter 5. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Just uh, two verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at, at verse 1. Therefore, be intimidators of God, in, intimidators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now look what Paul is, is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That, that Paul is speaking to us four things that we can pull from this. Number one, again, is the depth of Christ's love for you and for me. That there is a depth that we don't fully understand. That we think we, fully, we do, but I, I don't know that on this side of eternity we will really grasp the depth Of the love Christ has for us. But Jesus loves us. Christ loves you. And maybe that's something you need to remind yourself every single day. Jesus loves me. You know that 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 song, uh, that preschool song, maybe in Sunday school or children's, Jesus loves me. This you know, maybe you need to tell yourself that every day or sing that little song just to remind yourself of how much Jesus loves you. That that we also see here that the cost of love was Jesus giving himself as a sacrifice. That we may experience the fullness and, and experience the fullness of life that God has for us. That, that the price of that love that he has, that he gave himself for you and I. He gave himself up for us. The next point is that we see that God, God is pleased with this sacrificing love. That we see in verse, at the end of verse 2 that, that the sacrifice that Jesus gave was a fragrant offering sacrifice to the Lord. That that when God looked down and saw this sacrifice, that Jesus died on the cross, that that was a sacrifice pleasing to God. Again, we celebrated uh, communion just a little while ago and and a reminder that, that sacrifices were having to continually be paid because of our sinful nature. But this once and for all sacrifice was pleasing to God. That God loved the Son's love of us. Let me say that again. God loves the Son's love for us. Because Jesus loved us and showed it so significantly and so powerful, God loved that love. The depth of that and understanding that, that I think sometimes we miss it. There's so much power in the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, but I wonder if we take it for granted. That again, as we take communion, sometimes we just kind of go through the motions. Well, I've got the bread and, and, and I've got the cup and I just kind of go, thank you, Jesus, and that's it. But do we really understand the depth of the sacrifice? Chuck Colson tells a story, they're told a story of a group of American prisoners in World War II. And they were made to work in a prison labor camp. Now, every day, each of them were given a shovel, and they would go out, and they would just dig trenches. And wherever the guards told them to go, they would go out, and they would just dig and dig and dig all day long and, and just work them until they were almost, I mean, just dead. And so every night, they would, they would come in, and they would line up shoulder to shoulder. And the guard would 
count the shovels, count to make sure that there were 20 of them, that 20 shovels came in. So one particular evening, he had all the soldiers line up, shoulder to shoulder. The guard counted the, the, the shovels. There were 19. The guard pulled out, asked, asked them, who has the, the shovel? Who didn't return it? They all stood there, didn't say a word. He said, okay, pulled out his gun. Said, I'm going to shoot five of you right now if the person that's guilty doesn't step forward. After a few moments of a pregnant pause, one young man, 19-year-old young man, stood, stood forward with his head down. And the guard shot him on the spot. The guard said, let that be a lesson to all of you. That you better bring back your shovel tomorrow. The guard left. And all the prisoners were standing there. And they went back and they counted the shovels. There were 20 shovels. That young man knew that he brought his shovel back. He knew all the other prisoners brought their shovels back. But he sacrificed himself for the other 19. We, we hear that story and it grips us. And it breaks our heart because we think this, this young man, 19 years old, had so much to live for, had a life. He, he never got to experience what it was like to be a husband, to be a father, missing times with his grandparents or going fishing out of the lake or whatever it may be, growing old. He, and it grips our hearts. And it's a powerful story. But what he did pales in comparison to what Christ did for us on the cross. Not taking away what that young man's sacrifice was, but the depth of what Jesus did for us. It reminds me of what he did, and, and Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has none than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what that young man did, but that's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for the sake of another. That Jesus gave his self for you and I so that we may live. We see in verse 2, back to Ephesians verse 2, that, that Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. And we can read that passage and not understand the magnitude and the power that are in those words. That, that Just that part, he gave himself up, means that he sacrificed everything for us. We know the accounts of the gospel. We know the account of what happened to Jesus, that, that his sacrifice was not easy, that, that, that he was beaten, that they put a crown of thorns on his head, that, that he was nailed to a cross. That was not an easy sacrifice. That was a long, painful, horrendous death, and that he gave himself up. He went through all of that for you and I. Now, I don't share that with you this morning or share this passage that we would hang our heads in shame and go, how have I missed that? How have I, how have I allowed the opportunity for communion? Or how have I allowed these things just to read past this, this passage and not see the depth of it to, to be guilty or full of shame, but rather to understand that we lift our heads up and go, that understand that that's what Jesus gave for me, that I'm going to live my life in response to that. That I'm going to live my life knowing that someone died for me. Someone gave his life for me. Died an excruciating death for, death for me. So I'm going to make sure I live my life purposefully. Because of the sacrifice that he made for me. It should challenge us to live our lives with purpose and with meaning every single day. That we make every moment count. And when we hold on to bitterness or we hold on to anger or we hold on to unforgiveness. We are taking what Jesus did and we're saying that really doesn't matter. Because we're not focusing on the sacrifice and living for the moment. We get caught up in distractions. And family can bring those distractions. 
individually our family, but corporately our church, our spiritual family can do the same thing. I I encourage us, church, that we not get bogged down in those things. To live our lives on purpose with meaning, knowing that Christ died for you and I. That we live in a way that, that represents what he did for us. To make every moment count. And to show that same sacrificial love to others. As I said a few moments ago, each of us should be at our heart striving to be more like Christ every day. Does it mean we'll be exactly like him? No, because no one's perfect. Now that everybody knows that, you can take, whew, I don't have to be perfect every day. All right. Because there are some people, they believe, I have to be perfect. I can't mess up. I've got, and you wear all of this. Nobody is going to be perfect. That's why Jesus died for us. But we strive to be like him every single day. That our goal is to resemble him in our words and our actions. You know, when you look at a family, a biological family, it's easy to see resemblances. Whether it's everybody has the same hair color. And in my family, freckles, love the freckles. It looks like sometimes I have a tan. Not really, but, you know, it helps some. But we, we have freckles and pale skin. Hey, that's great. That's the family trait. And so you can look at a family and see the family trait. But what's interesting, too, is, is beyond that, is that, and, and, and you probably realize about this about your own family, is that your family has a vocabulary. That there are things within inside your family that, that only you say. And, 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 and maybe today you're thinking through, well, do we say certain things? Or maybe something that your grandparents used to say, and now everybody says it. But you can go into individual families, and, and, and the reason why that happens is because the closeness of it. Because of the, 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 the more time that you spend together, you resemble each other. Not necessarily in your physical features, but what you say and how you act. And as the, the family of God, as followers of Christ, we should resemble him. That we should do the things that he did. We should say the things that he said. We should live in a way that he lived. And that means that we give and we love sacrificially. Does that mean that we are going to have to lay down our lives like Jesus did or that 19-year-old young man did? Probably not. But we might have to. But we are still to die to ourselves every day. Even though we may not have to lay down our lives like that, we are still dying to ourselves every day, choosing to love our family in spite of its flaws, in spite of the pain and the hurt that we have gone through. Jesus understood the pain and the hurt that he was going to go through. He knew the sacrifice, but he was still willing to pay the price. Think about it. He came in riding into Jerusalem, and they were cheering him, and they were praising him. Hosanna has come. They were, and, and, and just a couple hours later, they were saying, crucify him. Don't you think that hurt? Don't you think he was, why am I doing this? Don't you think he could have been bitter and angry and, and fine, I'm going home. I'm not saving these people. They don't deserve to be saved. But yet, he still did it. He still sacrificed himself because ultimately he loves us. That even though people are going to hurt us and they may praise you one moment and they may try to take you down the next moment, that still doesn't mean that we should not love sacrificially. To give of ourselves just as Christ gave of himself. To try and imitate him in our daily lives. So what does it mean? How do we how do, we do this? On a, How can I be a good family member? What are the things that we can do as the body of Christ? Well, it means to help the family that's a, a family that's in need, that we help one another. If there's something going on, we reach out and, and see how we can encourage and, and help one another. It means to offer friendship to one another. 
It means being a mentor to someone that you have gone through the various struggles of life and taking somebody that's younger than you and say, hey, let me just pour into your life. I want to invest in you. Or if you're younger, say, looking to some of the older people and say, I want to learn from you. Show me how I can be more like Christ. How can I learn from your example? How can I learn from your mistakes? I, 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 would, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that if there are people here today and somebody came up to you and said, can I learn from your mistake? I don't think anybody, no, nope, I'm not going to tell you how. No, nope, you figure it out yourself. No, absolutely. Let me tell you how not to do the same things that I did. I don't want you to go through that same pain. I don't want you to go through that same suffering. It means to be an encourager. It means to pat people on the back to help them along and not just focusing on ourselves. I shared this example on Wednesday night. I think it's appropriate again this morning. So just track with me for just a moment. Let's imagine this room, we've got 100 people. I don't know if we've got 100 here today, but you know, usually there's about 70 or so in, in here. But let's imagine for the, for the easiness of math, all right? I'm not the greatest at math, so I like round numbers, okay? So let's imagine we've got 100 people, 100 adults in this room. Let's, let's say 25 people, every time they came to church, their goal was to bless somebody else. That they had a, a $50 bill in their pocket, and they said, every time I come to church and I'm around my, my church family, I just want to bless somebody with a $50 bill. That's their main goal. It's not about what I can get or how I, but I just want to serve. I want to give to other people. 25 people were doing that. Now, there's another 25 people. And they say, what my goal is, is I want to be an encourager to someone. I want to walk up and I want to know what's going on in their life. And I want to see how I can pray and fast for them this week. How can I help them go through their day? You've got 25 people. That's what their focus is. And then you have another 25 people that say, I just want to help somebody this week. I want to, I want to give, give, um, give a young couple uh, babysitting help, that I want them to go out on a date and, I, and not have to pay for it, or, or I'll watch their kids for a couple hours so they can just go to the grocery store. That's, or I want to help somebody that I know they need work around the house, and I just want to help them and find out ways that I can do that. So we've got 75 people out of the 100 going, I want to help somebody. I'm not focused on myself. I just want to help my family members. And then you've got the, the last 25 going, uh, you know, what is going on? That they're, whether, they're, they're new to Christ or they just walked into church for the first time, but they see all of this going on. Tell me that's not a church that you don't want to be a part of. Tell me that's not a church anyone wouldn't want to be a part of. Again, it's focusing on how I can give to others, how I turn the, the, the me into us. And ultimately, that's what Jesus was doing, sacrificing, thinking of others first. And as a church, as a family, as the body of Christ, that's what we should be doing. Sacrifice means putting others and other needs before yours. Is it easy? No, it's not. But it should be something we're striving for. It should be a reminder, how can I serve? How can I give to my family? How can I serve my family? But beyond just our spiritual family how can we serve others how can we live this sacrificial life out to others because ultimately everyone needs to know the love of christ that, that there are people that it, i know i this is it doesn't seem possible but there are people in our community that have never been to church before i think sometimes because we we live in plant city and it's a small community and there's churches everywhere that everybody's been to church but i i, I tell you that there are a number of people that have never been to church there are kids that, that I've come across that, that I've been, you know, my kids have told me about or been at the school and things like that. And they're like, yeah, I've never been to church. Like, what? You live in Plant City. Of course you've gone to church. No. I don't know Jesus. I don't know this. And so there's a world out there that we need to, to serve and we need to show the love of Christ to. 
That we need to, they need to understand that sacrificial love. They need to know that someone died for them. That they have hope. That there is an eternity on the other side. That there is heaven for them. And it's our responsibility to do that. Not just focusing on ourselves, but focusing on others. That's why last Sunday I talked about an upcoming day that is happening here at the church. On Sunday, November 17th is our serve day here at the church. And if you weren't with us last Sunday, let me just recap that on Sunday the 17th, we are going to serve our community. That it's not just going to be about us coming to church and what we can get from God, but how we can serve our community. We are here 52 weeks out of the year. Why not take a Sunday to go out to our community and say, you know what, it's not about us. It's about serving. It's about laying down our lives, putting other, ne- other people's needs before our own, or just showing the love of Christ to people. That it's, in, again, in real and practical ways. We're not going to go around banging on people's doors, telling them, Jesus loves you, get to church. Not going to do that. But what we are going to do is we're going to show the love of God in real and practical ways. So I said last week that I would give you more information about that today, and so let me talk about that for a few moments We have eight projects lined up on the 17th. When? 17th. All right, you all said it so you all know it. I'll say it again. But on Sunday the 17th, we have eight projects lined up. And we have a couple more that we may introduce just depending upon a couple variables, but we have eight projects. Again, to show the love of Jesus in real and practical ways. The first project that we have is a blood drive. All right? Very simple, very easy, but, but a blood drive is a great way to help people that we may never meet that might be in a critical situation and and we have the opportunity to help save their lives so that they could know who Jesus is if they don't already know who Jesus is just by giving blood. So we're going to have the blood bus here from 10.30 to 1.30. And so you can give blood and, and help serve our community that way. The next is we are going to bless our wonderful road workers up here at Paul Buckman and Sam Allen. They are working hard to get that intersection open. And they're many times they're working around the clock. And so we're going to bless them. We're going to take them some snacks. We're going to take them some drinks and just say thank you for what you're doing. Because, yes, it's an inconvenience for us as a church and, and for people that live along this roadway. And, yes, I've even said it myself. Oh, when are they going to get this road done? Because it really does inconvenience our family on a number of occasions. But ultimately, this is going to be better for us. It's going to be a safer intersection and all of those things. So we want to bless them just by providing uh, just a snack and some food for them on that Sunday. The next opportunity is we want to, uh, uh, we're going to go and, and pick up trash in our community, starting here at the church and going to Joe McIntosh, which is a loop over on the other side of railroad tracks, and then come back, Paul Buckman, to the church. We're just going to clean up our highways. This is our community. This is where we live. We want it to look good. We want it to look clean. And we want to serve our community. The other opportunity is we're going to be reaching out to our first responders. We're going to be going to the fire department and to the emergency room. And we're going to just bless them with some snacks, some energy drinks, some cookies, all, whatever we can just bless them with just to say thank you. Because they often, they see the worst of the worst. And they, they work long, tedious hours. And we just want to say thank you and bless them. The next thing is we're going to, to have our kids participate. I said this last week. We want everybody of all ages to be able to participate in something. So starting next week, our kids are going to be working on a Thanksgiving craft, and we're going to go to the nursing home, and we're going to have our kids and families take these crafts to the nursing home patients because, honestly, there are many that are in those nursing homes that family members never come and see. And so we want to go and just bless them and be a light in their day and, and, and wish them and hope that they have a good Thanksgiving. I know many of them probably never get to see their grandkids or their great-grandkids, and this would be a great opportunity for us to bless them in that moment. The next opportunity 
is that we're going to, we're going to clean up some shopping areas. We're going to go to several of the shopping malls in, in, around Plant City, and we're going to take the carts, and we're going to put them back where they belong. That's it. Because we want to bless those that are pulling into the parking spots and not have to worry about scratching their car or parking somewhere else so they can't park as close to the store. And think about all those workers that work in those stores when they come out and all the carts are where they belong. We want to bless them. We want to thank them and give them an opportunity to take maybe a five or ten minute break. The next opportunity is that we are going to be filling boxes from the church to Operation Christmas Child. That we encourage you to, to please take boxes and, and fill them and start bringing them back. But as a church, we are going to be filling boxes here. And so if you would like to be a part of that or if you would like to give to that and you don't want to go buy the things but you would want to be a part of it, somebody else can go buy it, then you can make a donation to that. And we will be doing that on Sunday the 17th. And then finally, we have a, a big community event that we do every year. It's called Snow and S'mores. It's coming up on Saturday, December the 14th. And we're beginning the, the prepping stages for that. And so we're going to be filling up the goodie bags with candy and treats that we're going to be giving out that, that evening. And so we need people to help fill those bags. So those are eight projects that I believe everyone in some way, some fashion can be involved with. Now again, these are opportunities for us to show the love of Jesus. And as we're out in our community, you may run across somebody and, and that, why are you doing this? And you don't have to have every theological answer. You don't have to know every word. Just say, because... Jesus loves me and he loves you. That's it. What, what? Jesus loves you. Why are you doing this? Because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And see where the conversation goes from there. You never know how the Holy Spirit's going to minister to them in that moment or even minister to you. The idea behind all of this is that we as the family of God, that we do what Christ has called us to do, to live sacrificially, that we give of ourselves every single day, that we find opportunities. And, and you may be doing these things. There may be things that you do on a regular basis, and I applaud you. But as a, as a church, it's so great when we can come together and do these things as a church. We have got to stop being selfish. I'm just going to put it out there as plainly as possible. I have seen the church, and not just our church, but the church abroad, being so self-centered and self, I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit. That it should not just be about us. That it's not just about what I want or God just bless me. But Christ gave his life that all may know. He, he sacrificed himself. He went through pain and suffering so that all may know. The perfect example that anyone possibly could give for a love so great was Jesus on the cross. And there are things that we can do in real, simple, practical ways to show the love of Jesus. I've been, I've been encouraged and challenged at the same time. I, I shared this on Wednesday night. If you're not on Wednesdays, you're just missing a whole lot. But I, I shared this a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night that on social media, there's a, a guy who is wanting to do good. He's wanting to use social media for good. And, and he, he's, he's a wealthy man, millions of dollars. And he's just giving money away to people. Just randomly, he's just giving money away. And, and more and more people, I'm, I'm just sitting back and I'm watching all of this and, and, and seeing people just inter, interact with this and they're just giving and giving and giving and, and sacrificially they're giving. And, and I'm like, that should be us. That should be the church. Not that we're giving money, but we're helping people. 
It shouldn't be somebody in the secular world doing that. That As a church, we should be on the front lines of that. And so it's been encouraging me because there's so much garbage on social media. It's been encouraging to see, man, there's good in this world. That, that there are good people and they want to do good things and they want to help others. Man, that's awesome. I love that. But it hurts me because I'm like, I want our church to be that way. I want our church just so full of that we, I want to give and I want to give and I want to give that we can't give anymore. But that's never going to happen because we can't outgive God. The more that we focus on him, the more he's going to do through us. The more that he's going to allow us to minister to others, the more that we're going to see people come to salvation. When we change the me to us, that's when transformation happens. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We are the family of God. If you're here today and you have, at one point in your life, you have made a commitment to serve the Lord, that you realize that, that, that Jesus died for you, you confessed him as your Savior, you confessed your sins, and, and you believe that he is your Savior, you're a part of the family of God. What a wonderful thing, an amazing thing to know that you are part of this family, that you've been adopted into the family of God. But if you're here today, you're like, you know what, I, I've never made that commitment. I've heard what you said today, and, and Pastor, I, I just want to declare my love for him, that I, I understand his love, that I don't want to let this moment go by without giving you an opportunity to just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And, and right now, in this moment, if that's you, if you're here and you're like, I just want to, I want to confess my sins, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I understand the love that he has for me, then just say it right now, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that you died on the cross. Three days later, you rose again. And one day, I will be in heaven with you. That's all it takes, is a simple prayer, a humble prayer, that he is the Lord of your life, that you're no longer living for yourself, but you're living for him. And as us that have been followers of Christ for many years, that we would be reminded in this moment that that's what this is all about. Coming to church is not a social gathering. Coming to church is not something we just check off the list, but we are the church. That when we walk out the doors, we're still the church. That's when church happens when we walk out the doors. This is just where we gather, where we encourage one another, but we take the message of the gospel to this world and to our community. God, I pray in this moment, you would do something radical in our hearts, that you would set us on fire, God, to see the, 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 the love that you have for all people and that we would have your eyes, that we would have your ears to speak and to show love to all that, that we come in contact with. God, I pray for our church, this family of believers, to rally behind this moment, to look back on this day, to look back on these moments, on, on the, the days and the weeks ahead, and, and know something significant happened that we would lay down our lives, that we would lay our wants, needs, and desires to serve others, to show your love to others. God, I pray that we would stand united, that we would stand for the common cause and the common good, that all may hear, that we would be your example to this world. Bless every person that calls FLC home. May we grow in number not so that we can boast, but that we can proclaim 
that sons and daughters have come home. That lives have been changed. That hope has been given. That's our heart's desire today, God. Move within us. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to close with with just a couple of instructions. The altar call today is this. I'm not asking anybody to come forward. I'm asking you to go backwards. And everybody always does that. So it's not a change. On the back table, on on your left-hand side, my right, your left, there's a table. And on that table are eight clipboards. Every project that I talked about just a few moments ago. I want to encourage you to pick a project and write your name beside it. Say, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to serve my community. So when we come back on the 17th, we're going to come. We're going to have a few minutes of worship. I'm going to share a brief word. We'll give you instructions, and then we're going to go. And we're going to be a light in our community. So again, put it on your calendar. Rearrange your schedule to be here on Sunday the 17th. But today is where you just put your name down there so we know how many to prepare for and how much, uh, where, how we can direct people. It will help us in the planning stages of this. And so if you can please do so. It may take some time because there are only eight clipboards. And so don't just, well, I'll fill it out another time. Or this is the other thing. Well, just put me somewhere, Pastor. No, 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 no. Fill out something. Make it your decision. Somewhere that you want to serve. Somewhere that you want to give. And how you can serve the community. So again, please just take some time um, and you can sit and mingle and talk to one another until the, the space opens up. So please just give yourself that opportunity to do so. I, I'm so glad that you're, you came to church today. I, I hope that this, this message has encouraged you. Again, I don't want anybody walking out with your head down in shame or whatever, but, but to understand what Jesus has done for us, to live every day on purpose, that there is something that we have to live for, that you may think, well, I don't have much to live for. Yes, you do. You have a Savior who died, and it's your opportunity to share his love to others. That's something worth living for every moment of every single day. Man, I'm so so excited about what God is going to do in these next coming days and weeks ahead. I hope you have a great and wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.